and this time actually my handouts have blanks, so now I actually did something right, so that's, that's going to be great. Um, and if you turn your Bibles uh, to uh, Acts chapter 9, and uh, Acts chapter 9, and uh, we'll kind of have kind of a long text, not too big, but um, starting in verse 17, as soon as you find it, if you'd stand, uh, stand with me for the reading of God's Word. <coughs> And uh, in Acts chapter number 9, starting in verse 17, it reads, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. And when, then when it was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on, the name, on his, this name in Jerusalem, and came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await was known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto him how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them uh, coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Which, when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then he then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, were multiplied. You may be seated. And let's open in a word of prayer. <coughs> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today, and just we thank you for the message this morning. And uh, how you touched our hearts, Lord, to, uh, uh, to be holy vessels for you, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that um, you'd speak to us this evening, Lord. You'd speak through me. And I just pray, Lord, that this message would, uh, would touch some hearts, Lord, and that your will would be done. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what do you know? Water just appears. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, and uh, here in this passage, we see the fear of the Lord. And we see how the fear of the Lord can really change lives. And we can see here that the fear of the Lord changed Paul's life. It, it changed the life of the church. It changed things. And throughout the Bible, we could look and see how the fear of the Lord changed things. Just several passages, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and destruction. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. 
The fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied, and he shall not be visited with evil. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. There's just several passages that talk about the fear of the Lord and how it can change your life, how that the fear of the Lord can really transform how you live your life and how, how that it can, in the last verse it says, uh, in the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. I mean, it says it prolongs your days, it gives you life more abundant. A fear of the Lord can change your life. And we can see that through this passage and through, throughout the Bible. But really, what is the fear of the Lord? I mean, in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. So I know many of us know what fear is, and we know what the fear of the Lord in the Bible is, but just to help clarify for us all, in the Webster's Dictionary it says, and this is a really great definition for a scriptural fear, uh, and it says, In Scripture, fear is used to express a filial or a slavish passion. In good men, the fear of God is a holy awe or reverence of God and his laws, which springs from a just view and a real love of the divine character, leading the subjects of it to hate and to shun everything that can offend such a holy being, and inclining them to aim at perfect obedience. This is a filial love. A filial fear, I'm sorry. In this definition, it just shows us what the fear of the Lord really is. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil and to love God and to love good. The fear of the Lord isn't to be afraid of God, to fear Him and to to run from Him and to not know what He is doing or what He wants us to do. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil and to love God. And maybe a good example of that might be uh, kids fearing their parents. And I know when I was a kid, my parents... They either had a look that just they looked at you and you knew right then you had done something wrong. Or maybe they, they had a tone of voice or maybe they said my whole name. If I ever heard Nicholas Hunter Graves, I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> it's just the little things that we all know. It's just you get that feeling tingling down your back and you just know that you did something wrong. And we're not to be afraid, but we wanted to please our parents. We love our parents. Our parents love us. And we want to do what's right. And when we don't do what's right, we have that, that fear that punishment is coming. But more than that, we want to love him and to serve him and to hate what our parents hate, just as what we want to hate what our Lord hates. And we all can just look at different, different examples, different aspects of what the fear of the Lord is. But are you practicing? Do you really have a fear of the Lord today? Do you really have a fear of God today like you should? Do, do you have a fear of the Lord and really keeping Him in your mind, in your thoughts, in your life? God is an omnipresent God. God is here in this place with us right now. God is with you when you're at work. He's with you when you're at home. He's with you when you're all alone. God is with us. God, He's everywhere. He's watching us, taking care of us, watching over us. But yet, He's there when we do good. And he's also, he's there when we do bad. When we sin, God is right there with us. God is a holy God. 
as we saw this morning uh, from pastor's meshes, God is a holy God. And when, when sin enters in, it can destroy that relationship. And when we do the right thing, we think, man, God helped me. I did such a good job. But also when we sin, God is right there beside us. We're sinning right in the face of God. When we don't have that fear of God, we don't realize that God is there with us, that God is a holy God watching us and taking care of us, and we just sin and think nothing of it. We just do something, and, and God is right there watching, and just in total disappointment that we sinned, that we disobeyed Him right to His face. That's what a fear of God is, is knowing that God is there, that God is there wanting to help us in the right thing. But he's also there when we do the wrong thing. And he's right there. And we must live a life of fear of the Lord. We must not let sin take control of our life. And evidence of the fear of the Lord in our lives, the way we should live our life, uh, Peter wrote about that in 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. A natural outgrowth of the fear of the Lord is to live a holy life. God commands us to be holy, and a way to be holy is to have a fear of the Lord in our lives. If we live a life of fear of the, with the fear of the Lord, we will live a holy life. We'll know that God is there with us. He's there to help us to do the right thing, and he's also there to help prevent us to do, from doing the wrong thing as well. That, that's a fear of the Lord. It'll produce a holy life in all of us. And as we live a holy life, we'll have the Lord work through us in such a greater way than we could ever imagine. And tonight, I just want to share with you three changes that the fear of the Lord will bring in our lives and bring in the lives of others around us. And the fear of the Lord, it'll just do so much for us. And the first change that I see is that the fear of the Lord, it changes our lives. The fear of the Lord can change our lives. If we look in this passage in in Acts chapter 9, it says, if you looked at the first 16 verses, it talks about Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. Saul was a murderer. Saul, he, he killed Christians just because they didn't believe what he believed. He killed people. He, he persecuted the church. He did so much wickedness, yet as in this passage that was read, it was a completely different person. His life was completely turned around because of his conversion at Damascus. His life was totally transformed. He was made a new creature. Old things were passed away. Behold, all things became new in Paul's life. And it's the same is true in our lives. When we were saved, our lives were completely changed. We were made in the image of God. We were transformed. And that's what the fear of the Lord can do. Our lives are changed, and the fear of the Lord, it brings salvation. The fear of the Lord, it brings salvation in our lives. When we understand that our sin has kept us from God, our sin has cut us in our relationship from God, when we understand that, when we see that, that's when salvation comes. Because if we don't even know we're a sinner, if we don't even understand that, then what's the need of a Savior? If we don't understand of our need because of our sin, if we don't understand of our, our sin nature, of our 
total wickedness before God, then what is the need of a Savior? And we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what the gospel message is, in a nutshell, Paul gave it to us. Um, and if you turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as you've seen throughout the book of 1 Corinthians so far, the church at Corinth was not necessarily the best church. And they had a lot of problems. And I think Paul here is just trying to simplify the gospel just to the bare basics, to exactly what it truly is. And in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, in the first four verses, he gives us what the gospel is. And he tries to help this church to see what the gospel is, to return back to what they were, to return back to what they became and what they started from. And that's salvation. And 1 Corinthians 15, in verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, lest ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. And I'll stop there for a second. Basically what Paul has said so far is, this is the gospel, I've received it, you've received it, we're saved, it's changed our lives, this is what it is. And in the second part of verse 3 it says, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That's point one. And that he was buried, that's two. And that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That's three. That's it. Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again. He died for our sins, and he rose again to prove his deity, to prove that he truly was God, that he truly paid for our sins, that he truly rose again and conquered death for us. That's what the gospel is. Christ died for us, and he conquered death for us. He conquered sin. He conquered uh, the depravity we were in, just simply through his sacrificial death, his willingness to die for us. That's what the gospel is. Many people try and add and add and add, and some people try and take away, but that's what the gospel is. That's what's changed us, and that's what can change others also is the simple gospel message of the death, burial, and resurrection. That's what the gospel is. It's nothing more, it's nothing less. That's what it is. In Ephesians it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We can't earn it. We can't attain it. We, we can't just do the good works. We can't come to church and be faithful. We can't do all those things to gain salvation. All Salvation is, is trusting Christ. Accepting that gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins, that's what it is. It's, no, it's nothing more. It's just the simple gospel message of the death, burial, and resurrection. In Romans it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter who it is. If you understand and see your need for a Savior, you can be saved. It doesn't matter. Just Calling on him, that's all you must do. And the fear of the Lord, it can bring salvation and change your life through salvation. And also it can change your life by bringing sanctification. It can bring sanctification in your life. Paul saw Jesus and it completely changed his life. And we too, when we first saw Jesus, it's, it changed our lives totally. But we must stay focused on Christ and allow him to continue to change us as Christ continued to change Paul. 
as you look through Paul's life, you can see over and over that this one thing I do is what he wrote. He, he preached Christ and him crucified. He stayed focused on Christ. He let Christ guide him. He did what Christ wanted him to do. He didn't care what others thought, what others said. He just did what Christ commanded him to do. And in Philippians chapter 2, uh, in verses 5 through 11, is um, the passage that talks about how Christ, uh, and how this morning uh, pastor talked about it, how Christ, he took on the form of a servant. How that we are have, have that same mind in us. How that we are... To, how that Christ humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How we see that Christ humbled himself. He humbled himself to what God wanted him to do. And Christ is our example. Paul followed after the example of Christ, and we too are to follow after that same example. And as we follow after that example and humble ourselves to God's will, he will change us to be more like him. We will have the desires that Christ had. We'll have the passions that Christ had. We'll have the life that Christ had. God wants us to follow that perfect example of Christ. And we must simply do that. Stay focused on Christ and let him change us. Let him make us to be more like him. And if we do that, our lives will totally be changed. And the fear of the Lord, if we just honor God, and hate this sin, and love him, and stay focused on him, he'll change us to be more like him. And not only will the fear of the Lord bring a change in our lives, but it'll also bring a change to our witness. It'll change our witness. And in uh, verses 27 through 30, it talks about how Paul, how he preached boldly. Uh, Several times it says he preached boldly the name of Jesus. He preached Christ boldly. And uh, the fear of the Lord will give us boldness. And throughout this passage, it, it shows that Paul, had he preached boldly, and in verse 31, it says that as the church walked in the fear of the Lord, they too saw multiplication in their church. They too saw the Lord work in their church because they followed after what Paul was doing, was preaching boldly and being a bold and a faithful witness of the gospel. And as we see others fearing and serving God, it will give us a confidence to do the same. In Philippians 1, uh, verse 12, it says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, as we see others step up and be bold witnesses, others around will start to step up and see that the Lord is working. They'll see that the Lord is doing something in their lives. As others see that, they'll step up, and then others too. But it needs to start out with some. It just won't all happen at once. There need to be some that step up, that take a step past what they're already doing, even though others maybe not be doing it, but to step up and just to be a faithful witness at work, to be a faithful witness out at, when you're shopping, out at a restaurant, wherever it might be, to be a faithful witness wherever you are, to let the gospel message be a part of your life in every part of your conversation, to let your life and your light shine to all men. Because 
you have no idea what might happen if you just simply told everyone you knew about Christ. Paul, as we see, Paul said that he told everyone he possibly could of how the Savior's changed his life. And we saw that it completely changed the world. Churches were started around the world because of that simple fact that he just preached the gospel to to everyone. And that's what we too must do, is just preach boldly to everyone. To step up and say, you know what? I know I've been a witness, but I need to step up above that and be more of a witness. I need to do more. Just do that, take that extra step and maybe tell that person that maybe I wouldn't before. Maybe tell that person because maybe I don't think they'd listen. Or maybe tell that person or tell that person or invite that person to church. But we all need to do that. It's just take that little step of boldness. Just understand that God is with us. God is right there beside me helping me. God is the one that's working. He's just working through me. I just need to be a willing and open vessel. And we can see that God gives us boldness, but also a reason why we can have boldness is because that the fear of the Lord, it gives us effectiveness. The fear of the Lord gives us effectiveness in our witness. Now, if you looked at the text, you don't really see anyone besides Paul getting saved. You don't see anyone getting saved besides Paul. And you might think, why would I say that there's effectiveness if, if really nothing was happening? Because God never commands results. He just commands our obedience to go and tell the world. We don't save anyone. We can't save anyone. We needed to be saved ourselves. And the Lord is the one who saves. The Lord is the one who commanded us to go and to preach the gospel to everyone. And because of that, why wouldn't we want to tell everyone if we knew that God would do what he's going to do? If we knew that God is going to work, if we knew that 100% of the time God's will would be done, if we knew that, why wouldn't we tell anyone and everyone? If you turn your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it, it talks about how that we're not commanded to have results and that we won't have results, but it's that it's God that will give the results. It's God that will bring the results. And uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, it says, <coughs> let me get to it real quick. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? And basically what it's saying there is, Paul, myself, and Apollos, we're just witnesses. We just went out and told people, and God has given witnesses to everyone. God is the one that worked. And in verse 6 it says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. And we see here that, that God is the one that saves. That God is the one that works. He'll work through us. He's commanded us to go. But in Isaiah 55, it says that his word will not return void. It will accomplish what he has it to accomplish. God's word will work. It will be effective. We just need to simply go. In Mark 16, 15, it says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And God's command is just to simply go. Just to tell the world that Jesus saves he hasn't commanded us to to save certain amount of people. He hasn't commanded us to have X number of this or that. He's just commanded us to go. And why would we 
not want to go if we knew that God was going to work? If we knew God was going to work, why wouldn't we go? Why would, not, why would we not want to see God work? Uh, it just boggles my mind sometimes how, myself included, we just don't want to do it because for whatever reason, but God's going to work. We could see the Lord work in a great way if we just simply went and obeyed him. And God uses his word. And in Romans ten seventeen it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And as we preach the gospel, the Lord will work through his word. Because God's word is powerful. In Hebrews four twelve it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word is a powerful tool. God, it's a, it's a book that's alive. It's a living book. And God works through it to save people. God works through it. It's called the sword of the Spirit. And it's called that because the Holy Spirit works through His Word. The Holy Spirit works through His Word to convict people of their sin and their need of a Savior. And if, just, uh, if you're still in 1 Corinthians, just turn over one chapter to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. And it says, Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now, if you preach the gospel, and if there was just no conviction in that person, if the Spirit was not working in that person, they're not going to get saved. Because the Spirit must convict. Because we can't save. It's God that saves. And God works through His Word to convict the sinner of their sin and their need of a Savior. And we must just simply go and let the Lord do His work. We must just simply obey Him and preach the gospel. We must go and it'll change our witness if we just understand that God is there with us. God is working. He's just working through us. We must simply be obedient and be bold and see God work effectively through us. And God, the fear of the Lord will just change our witness in a tremendous way if we let it. If we just simply go and be an obedient servant to Him. And the fear of the Lord, finally, it'll change our churches. The fear of the Lord will change our churches. And in the final verse of the text, I'll read it quickly, it says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. And there we see that the churches were changed. The churches had several things that changed in their daily activities, in their daily routines, in their personal lives. The church was changed. And the fear of the Lord, at first, it'll bring edification to the church. And in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about the body and how that the body edifies one another and how that the body, it'll it'll help one another, it'll work together to do the Lord's work. And just like with this water, uh, it takes a lot of things for um, me to get this water. And uh, I had to use my voice to uh, ask for it and I had to use my hands and I had to uh, use my mouth and my throat and all these different things because I was thirsty and my throat was kind of dry, so I asked, and I got the water, and I needed the water. And the same is true with the church. The church needs to work together 
and edify one another, help one another to see the Lord's work accomplished. And if the key is, is staying focused on Christ, like we were talking about earlier, how that we must stay focused on Christ and have our lives sanctified through Christ. And the head of the body is Christ. Christ is the head of the church. And we are to stay focused on him because he is the head. And it took my, my mind, my brain, to say, I need water. And then my body went into action to get that water. And Christ has commanded us to work together in the church to help one another and to preach the gospel to the world. <coughs> and that's exactly what we need to do. We need to work together as a body to fulfill that commission that God has given us. And as we get our relationship with God right, those other relationships will be set up perfectly and will work together as a team. If you stay focused on, if my hands stay focused on what my mind is telling me to do, then they'll work together to get a task accomplished. And the same is true with the church. If you're not worried about what the other hand is doing, but you're worried about what God is telling you to do, it'll work together in perfect harmony and God's will will be accomplished. His work will be done in the church and will be edified together if we just stay focused on Christ. And the body, the church will be edified if we just have a fear of God and a focus on Him. And also the fear of the Lord, it'll bring comfort to the churches. And it says in verse 31, and they were, uh, the churches had rest and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, it says. And in John 14, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And we can see here that the Holy Ghost is the Comforter. The Holy Ghost will comfort us and help us and encourage us if we let it. But that's the key, if we let it. And we must humble ourselves to God and his perfect will. And as we do that, he will comfort us. We may not understand all the things that happen, but when we fear God, he will comfort us in his will. We may not understand all the things that are happening in our lives. And here in this church, they were suffering severe persecution. The church in Jerusalem had to disperse because of the persecution on it. They did not understand, yet they were walking in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. They understood that God was in control. They understood that God was working. And as we see later on in this book of Acts, the whole world was reached. The known world of that time was reached with the gospel because of that persecution. Because they were willing to just see the Lord work through them. Because they were willing just to stay faithful in His will and receive the comfort of the Holy Ghost. We may not understand all the things that happen in this church. We may not understand all the things that happen in this country or in our personal lives. But yet we can understand that God is working, that God is in control that his will will be done. And we just need to understand that his Holy Spirit will comfort us if we let it. If we just ask the Lord, Lord, I don't understand why this happens or why this has to happen. But please just help me to understand and realize it's your will and see that you will work and you will comfort us all. And just let him comfort us. And he will give you a peace that passes all understanding if you let it. And if you just ask for it and just let the Lord work in your life in a special way. And then finally, the fear of the Lord, it not only will edify the church and comfort the church, but the fear of the Lord, it will also bring multiplication to the church. And that the last two words were, were multiplied in this passage. And in Acts 6-7 it says, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. 
and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And here in this true church in Jerusalem, there was multiplication taking place. In Acts 2.41, it says they were added to the church. But here, they were multiplied to the church. More and more people were seeing God work. More and more people were being saved and changed by God. More and more people were letting their witness be changed. They were being more bold and more effective in their witness because they were letting God work, letting God do His thing, and just simply obeying and going and preaching the gospel. And multiplication will happen. That's the ultimate goal of the fear of the Lord is multiplication. And as we more perfectly hate sin and love God and fear Him, we will serve Him more and obey Him more. And as we obey Him more, we will tell others about God more consistently and more effectively. And then others will do the same. They'll follow right after that. And as we saw under our changed witness, how that we can have boldness and effectiveness in our witness with a fear of God. Multiplication will take place because as, as I boldly proclaim the gospel and as I understand the effectiveness that God will give, as I see those things and just go out and take that step and, and follow God and obey Him, then others will do the same. Others will see, as in the case of Paul, the people in uh, Philippi, uh, in Philippi, they, they followed right after. They, they saw that Paul, that he was being persecuted, that he had to go to jail, that he had to be beaten, that he was stoned, yet they wanted to follow after him. They wanted to do, because they saw God work. They saw God was saving people. They saw God was working through Paul. And they wanted to follow after that, even though it might have seemed crazy. It might have seemed ridiculous to do something like that. They followed after. They, they wanted to preach boldly. and They saw the effectiveness that God was giving. And they, they followed after. And more and more people were following and, and seeing people saved. More and more people, more and more lives were changed because they simply had a fear of God. Because they simply allowed God to work. Because they simply just obeyed. Because they loved God so much that they wanted to do what He commanded. Because they hated sin so much, they wanted to see people saved and forgiven of that sin. And as we do that, we'll see multiplication in this church. We'll see multiplication in, in this country. We'll see multiplication around the world if we just simply obey God and go. And really... I, this one verse kind of concludes the whole, uh, the whole message, I guess. And it's Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen, And it says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. In the fear of the Lord, it, if you just fear God, if you just love Him and, and hate sin and serve Him, if you just do that, everything else will fall into place. If you just... Focus on that and do what God asks us to do. If you just simply do that, everything else will fall into place. Your life will be changed. Your witness will be changed. And and your church will be changed if you just simply obey God. If you just simply obey Him, it'll change your life. In the fear of the Lord, it'll change our lives. But will you let it? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this message. And we thank you for, for... the fear of the Lord and how that we, uh, we were changed by it, Lord. We were saved. And Lord, we thank you that, that we can just simply obey you and preach the gospel and that you will work, Lord, and you will do a mighty work. 
and that you'll change churches, you'll change our church, you'll work in us in just a special way if we just simply fear you and obey you, Lord. That's all we must do. That's the whole duty of man. Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to do that. Help us, Lord, just to serve you faithfully and uh, just change our lives with it, Lord. And I just pray that you'd help us to apply it to our lives. And we just thank you so much for it, Lord. And I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.